Our scripture scripture reading is from Revelation 19, verses 4 through 7. The 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God, who was seated on the throne, and they cried, Amen, hallelujah. Then a voice came from the throne, saying, Praise our God, all you his servants, you who fear him, both great and small. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like a roar of rushing water and like loud peals of thunder shouting, Hallelujah, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Good morning. Learn more about God. Today we're going to talk about his omniscience. So if you've got your uh, bulletin, you can turn to the back and there's some blanks to fill in. There's a lot of blanks, and I know that, but uh, I think this rather uh, will be a short lesson, so grab you a pen, and you can fill in the blanks, and, and, and we can study and learn together. You know, there's a time in a child's development when they begin to grasp uh, time and place. Uh, it doesn't come automatically, but as a parent, you know, you try to teach that, and there's one mom who was asking her young son, so where do you live? Uh, and he said, um, at my new house. And she said, but what's the street? And he said, Palmer. And that was the right answer. He said, that's good. And she, so she reminded him of the house number. Can you say 1314 Palmer? And he repeated that. And so as a mom, she kind of felt good about that. He was getting that concept. And moms, you might remember that, you know, when you try to teach that to your children. So then he asked, uh, she asked him, uh, so what's your last name? And he said, Douglas, Brent Douglas. And she smiled and said, well, that's, that's your first and your middle name, but what's your last name? And he thought for a moment, and he thought, Brent Douglas, come here. <laughs> she had a little more teaching to do. I came across this story many years ago. A man selling vacuum cleaners knocked on the door of a remote farmhouse. The lady of the house opened the door. She's very hospitable. She invited him in. But he was this that strong salesman type. And so he just boasted in and says, I want to make a bargain with you. And he dumped all this dirt onto the floor and said, if this vacuum cleaner doesn't suck every single bit of it up, I'll eat it. And she just reached over and grabbed a spoon and she said, we don't have electricity. Go ahead. <laughs> You know, had he known that, he wouldn't have said that. We're talking about what God knows. And God knows everything. We use the word omniscience. But really what it means is just, the uh, Illustrated Oxford Dictionary defines omniscience as knowing everything. But you knew that already. But what does that mean to say God knows everything? And the Bible is chock full of scriptures that says this about God. A, a couple just to begin with. 1 John 3.20 For God is greater than our hearts and He knows everything. Psalm 147 verse 5 Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. Proverbs 15.3 The eyes of the Lord are everywhere keeping watch on the wicked and the good. Friends, God knows everything. All events, all creatures, in the past, the present, the future. His knowledge is absolute. It's full. It's complete. I wonder if we can really grasp His perfect knowledge. He never discovers anything. He's never surprised by anything. He never wonders about anything. He doesn't have to seek information or ask questions because he doesn't already know. 
He knows how everything already fits together. I may have shared this before, but to me it's fascinating. I think it kind of reveals how amazing the knowledge of God. John Madonna, a genetic engineer at the University of Washington, wrote this about the intricacies of the human body. He said, The average human heart pumps over 1,000 gallons a day, over 55 million gallons in a lifetime. That is enough to fill 13 super tankers. It never sleeps, beating 2.5 billion times in a lifetime. The lungs contain 1,000 miles of capillaries. The process of exchanging oxygen for carbon dioxide is so complicated, it's more difficult to exchange O2 for CO2 than for a man shot out of a cannon to carve the Lord's Prayer on the head of a pen as he passes by. DNA contains about 2,000 genes per chromosome. 1.8 meters, nearly 6 feet of DNA are folded into each cell nucleus. A nucleus is 6 microns. That's one millionth of a meter long. This is like putting 30 miles of fishing line into a cherry pit. And it isn't simply stuffed in, it's folded in. If folded one way, the cell becomes a skin cell. If another way, a liver cell, and so forth. To write out the information in one cell would take 300 volumes, each volume 500 pages thick. The human body contains enough DNA that if it were stretched out, it would circle the sun 260 times. Listen to this. The body uses energy efficiently. It, if an average adult rides a bike for one hour at 10 miles per hour, it uses the amount of energy contained in three ounces of carbohydrate. He writes, so lay off the donuts. But if a car were this efficient with gasoline, it would get 900 miles per gallon. Yeah. Isn't that something? It doesn't surprise us, though. But the Bible doesn't tell us that. You know how the Bible tells us about what God knows about you? He says it, and it says it in such a way that anybody can understand. God knows even the number of hairs on your head. That's how well He knows us. I'm going to begin with this. Caleb Colley of Apologetics Press listed a few of the implications of God's omniscience. What does that mean? What are the implications? Well, a couple of things very quickly. Number one, God knows every past action. God knows every past action. Sometimes we struggle uh, with history to interpret it because often we lack all the information that goes into it. We, our information is not complete. But the eternal God who has no beginning has no problem seeing clearly through the mist of time for He is time. He is beyond time. And you remember last month in our study about Jesus, how in the name of God, how Jesus spoke of, of His living forever? When He talked about in John eight fifty eight, I tell you the truth, Jesus says, before Abraham was born, I am. He has always been. So number one, God knows every past action. Number two, God knows every present action. Psalm 33, 13 through 15. For the, from heaven the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. From his dwelling place he watches all who live on earth. He who forms the hearts of all, who considers everything they do. So despite the uniqueness of every person, God understands everyone individually, and he knows everyone individually. Number three, God knows every future action. You know, the fact that God gave prophets the capability to predict accurately the future and we could see that come true is one of the reasons why we believe in the inspiration of Scripture. 
And God has emphasized repeatedly that He knows the future. And perhaps that's never more evident when Jesus on this earth would predict the future Himself and prophesy. But here's a point. The fact that God does, not, does know the future does not imply that, that humans somehow lose freedom of choice. Just because God knows that something will happen doesn't mean He causes it to happen. We're going to talk more about that tonight. Number four, God knows every human thought. King David said this to his son, 1 Chronicles 28, verse 9. And you, my son Solomon, acknowledge the God of your father and serve him with your wholehearted devotion and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches every heart and understands every motive behind the thoughts. Number five, God knows what is right and wrong because he defines morality. His word is truth. Last week, I was listening to Bo's message and he mentioned Hannah praying you know she was with it without child and in her fervent request for God's intervention she said this first Samuel 2 verse 3 for the Lord is a God who knows and by him deeds are weighed Hannah had a grasp of awesomeness the knowledge of God that he is right and wrong well the definition number six God knows what humans need Matthew 6, 8, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. This is what Jesus said. Your father knows, before you even ask, what you need to be loved, to be appreciated, to be valued, to be heard, ultimately to be saved. I read about a young man named Dennis Wise. He spent his whole life just infatuated with Elvis Presley. He collected all the memorabilia. He, Elvis was his hero. He went to such great lengths. I mean, he bought his clothes, his records, his photographs. He even underwent plastic surgery so that he would look more like Elvis Presley. But his great regret is he never got to meet his hero. He knew all about him, but he didn't know him. When I was reading about this, the author made this comment, a similar but greater tragedy with many Christians is they spend years listening to sermons, reading scriptures, maybe even teaching Bible class, but they fail to enjoy a close relationship with God. They never make that personal connection. And if we're not careful, we can be just like the Israelite in Hosea's days who went through all the right motions, but the Bible says they knew about God, but they never really knew God. I want us to spend our time this morning in Psalm 139. So you can open your Bibles there. It's also in your outline. It'll be on the screen. But I want us to see that God already knows us. Even before we know Him, He knows us inside and out. And here's the thought. That, that idea can be either frightening, scary, and a little disconcerting. He knows everything. Or it can be comforting and reassuring. My God knows everything. It all depends on your perspective. Think about, think about love. Just by way of kind of introducing this, I want you to think about a time in your life when you felt the most loved. Maybe it was as a child from your parent. Maybe it's with your own child. Maybe it's a, a best friend. Maybe it's your spouse. I want you to think about what made that love so good. What made that love just what it was? Maybe for you, it's even a time where you felt loved by God like that. See, whatever it is, there's at least two components of that kind of love. First is that you're known. Someone knew you enough 
that they know you better than other people. But the second part is just as important that you're accepted. They know you and they still accept you. And you put those two together. And that's a powerful component of love. And for love to be complete, you've got to have them both. Both need to be there. To be accepted without being known, that's shallow. And to be known and not be accepted, that's terrifying. But complete love has both of them. And so that's what we're going to talk about this morning. And no one knows this more thoroughly than God. And no one accepts us, accepts us better than God. That's why His love is so better than anyone else's. So look at this first point. God knows us completely. We're in Psalm 139. I want you to see He knows us better than anyone else in the whole universe knows us. It's on the screen in the NIV. I want us to, I want us to read this together. And the reason I want to do this, because I want you to see, David is writing in first person. Ah. He makes this personal and he's right. And I want us to do the same thing. So look at the screen or look on your outline there and let's, let's read this together. Psalm 139, the first six verses. We're going to look at some other verses, but let's just read this part together. Are you with me? O oh Lord, You have searched me and You know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You hem me in behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. God knows me completely. He understands me like no one else. He knows all my actions, my thoughts, my words. I think we get this. I think we understand this intellectually, that God knows us this well. But it's too easy to operate on two levels. We know that in our heads. But then somehow, in some way, we can kind of disconnect from that and, and feel like there's a secret part of us that God doesn't know. We can do that with people. We can hide things from others. And sometimes we think the same thing for God. Maybe it's because we're afraid that if God knew everything about us, that He might reject us. He would disapprove. And so it's hard for us, is it not, to comprehend a God who knows us so thoroughly, so completely, and still loves us, and still accepts us. Psalm 139, verse 1, it states that God knows us because He searches us. Oh Lord, You search me and You know me. The Hebrew word here means to examine carefully, to explore. It can even be used in the context of a burglar who goes in and he's looking for everything, ransacking the drawers, pulling everything open, looking for something that's important to them. And David is saying God knows us that, that in depth, that penetrating. It's not just the surface, not just what you see, but inside out. Take a closer look at verses 2 through 5. Kind of, it answers the question, what does God know? And again, David made it personal. So as we're filling the blanks, I want us to make it personal too. So we put I in there. Number one, he knows what I do. He knows what I do in verse 1. You know when I sit and when I rise. God knows when you sit down, he knows when you stand up. He knows when you plop down in that lazy boy, and he knows how many times you got up and went to the fridge. He knows. 
And the idea he's saying there, these two opposites of sitting and rising, it represents everything you do throughout the day. That's what he's saying there. uh, Proverbs 5.21, For a man's ways are in full view of the Lord. He examines all his paths. God knows every move we make. Number two, He knows what I think. So there in verse 2, You perceive my thoughts from afar. It is both amazing and and even difficult to, to grasp that God knows what you think even before you think. He's that good. He knows us that completely. You know, and sometimes we'll talk about this with, with good friends. You know, someone who knows you so well that they can predict your actions or what you're going to say or how you're going to respond. Or we might even say to someone, well, they can complete my sentence. You know them that well. And so we understand that kind of concept. God knows everything you're thinking and He still loves you. Jeremiah 17.10 I think helps us to understand the depth of God's understanding. I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind. Number three, He knows where I go. He knows where I go. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. God knows. I may have told you years ago, there's a time when we were living in, in Coleman, And a good neighbor lived kind of on the corner down from us. They came there knocking on all the neighbor's doors because they just bought a brand new white pickup truck. And some child had been playing in the mud and in the mud pile. Then they got their hands and they wrote and smudged all over the white pickup truck. And they were a little bothered by it. No major damage, but obviously they wanted to get to the bottom of it. Didn't want it to happen again. So they came knocking on the door and we thought, well, oh, who could have done that? And I quickly dismissed it and said, well, you know, there's some houses one block over. It might have been some of the kids over there. Yeah, you're already ahead of me. See, so I mentioned to the kids, well, you know, they're going to find out who did it. Wasn't long before Marcy, they were probably early school age. She came into the room. She confessed. It was her. I learned a valuable lesson that day. Never think your kids are innocent, Ever. true, isn't it? But parents, we're, we're not just biased. Sometimes we're blind. Not my kid. Go check those kids on that next block. Or maybe right under my own roof. We think we know, but we don't know. God knows. The word for discern there means to sift or winnow as grain. God knows where we go because He sees everything. He discerns everything. He sifts through our lives. He understands what's really going on. He knows the good. He knows the bad. He knows it all. Then number four, He knows what I say. Before a word is on my tongue, You know it completely, O Lord. Sometimes we don't even know what's going to come out of our mouth until it does. You know, as fast as we think it, sometimes we say it. But God knows. But not just what we say. He knows the thoughts behind them. Someone said that our thoughts are like words to God. He hears them and understands them completely as though we had shouted them from the rooftops. Number five, He knows what I need. You hem me in, verse five, behind and before you have laid your hand upon me. What David is using here is imagery from war. He knows all about strategic battle plans, about ambushes, about how to surround a city. And so that's the, the terminology he's using here. And some read this and think, well, maybe David felt trapped by God's knowledge of every word, every thought, even before he thinks it. 
It's a little overwhelming, really, that God knew him that well. I'm surrounded, you know? There's absolutely no privacy. And so maybe that's, a, that's how David felt. Because you can't run from God. There's no escaping Him. He's surrounded like in, like in a military battle. Maybe that's it. Or maybe it's protection. Maybe it's surrounded like nobody can get to me. Maybe it's surrounded like protection. Like you lay your hand. You know like when your child is learning to walk and you kind of put your hand on their shoulder or even their head because they're headed to the fireplace or the end table? You lay your hand on them. They're about to take that step and they need your touch. You're not hurting them. You're helping. He knows what you... You don't even see the danger there. He lays His hand upon me. God does that for us as well. And then don't you love verse 6? David ponders the fact that God knows He's completely... He's, he's just blown away. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. He can't even begin to understand how do you write it down, how you describe it, that God knows me this well. And that word wonderful is actually placed first in the original language by way of emphasis. So it should read more like this. Wonderful is God's knowledge. It's too lofty for me to understand or imagine. Wonderful is God's knowledge. When we try to understand the greatness of God's knowledge, we become overwhelmed like David. You just, you just kind of kick back and stop reading and just think about that for a moment. Let that soak in. What does that mean? See, this wonder and worship is always a proper response when you get to know God and His attributes. See, amazement should lead to awe and that leads to adoration. And that's where you just pour your heart out and you realize how good He is and how well He knows me. And what a wonderful thing it is. I think Paul got this. And he responded in Romans 11. Look at his words, verse 33-36. through 36. Oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and the knowledge of God! How unsearchable His judgments and His paths beyond tracing out who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been His counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay Him? For from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. To Him be glory forever. Amen. Not only does God know us completely, but He thinks about us constantly. Look down in Psalm 139, verse 17 and 18. He knows everything about us. And He still likes us. He still loves us. We are known by this knowable, holy, creative, ever-present God, and He still accepts us. He sees our entire life. Basically, He's fixated on you. Thinks about you all the time. Look at verse 17 and 18. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I'm still with you. So a couple of thoughts there. Once again, David's overwhelmed. God's thoughts are precious, is the word he uses. Precious. Precious is a word that would be used to describe expensive jewels. David treasures this. It is precious to him that God is always thinking about him every second of every day and uses that word picture, grains of sand, not just at the beach, but all the beaches, all the desert, all of them. And that leads to the second truth. God's thoughts are numerous. If we were to try to count them, well, you can't count them. They're, they're impossible to count. 
You know, sometimes when we're given gifts, we will use the phrase, well, it's the thought that counts. That's usually because it's a pathetic gift, and that's what we say, right? <laughs> no, not at all. Well, maybe. But we say it's the thought that counts because somebody was thinking about you. They went shopping. They, they made something. They baked something. And it's the thought that... The, the gift is good. Yes, the gift may be great. But it's really about the thought. You were on their mind. You were thinking of them. It was worthwhile for them to put forth that effort, to pay that money, to spend time in the kitchen, to, to deliver it. They were thinking of you. You know, we have a saying... I couldn't get you off my mind. That brings me to number three. God's thoughts are constant. God thinks about us all the time. When I awake, I'm still with you. See, God doesn't forget about us when we're sleeping. God doesn't forget about us when we forget about Him. I love Psalm 121, verse 3 and 4. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. God knows us completely. He thinks of us constantly. And I want to jump to the last couple of verses to get God searches us conclusively. This part may be what you know of most from Psalm 139. Look at verse 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. What David had mentioned in verse 1, God, you've searched me. Now he turns as he's ending this psalm into a prayer. Do it. Search me. He invites him. And the verb search there is used for digging up valuable minerals in a mine. That word test there is used to talk about examining the precious metals to, to help them uh, to prove their purity. And while it's obviously a good idea to do some self-analysis, Think how much better it is to have a God analysis. God, you search me. Not just me do the looking. Not just me do the testing. God, you do the searching. See, most of the time when we do the, the examining, we can easily come to the conclusion, we're okay. Especially compared to some other people I know. But what does God think? So when asking God to evaluate ourselves, fill in the blanks, you've got those four. Search me. All of me, even my darkest secrets, all my deeds, all my thoughts, all my insecurities. Search me. Test me. See if I'm pure. See if I'm true. I come to church, I sing songs about believing, trusting. Do I really trust God? Tell me. Tell me what you find out. Don't just search and know it and hold it. Tell me. What did you find out, God, when you searched me? When you tested me? And then help me. Show me how to correct my ways. Lead me in the right path. So I think once we understand that God loves us, the way the Bible depicts it, maybe not the way we thought about it all our lives, the way the Bible talks about it, we're open to God's investigation. We want Him to look. We're like, here, Look. All of me. You invite Him into your home. Search every closet. Every drawer. I want you to see. Because God loves me that much. So much. 
But if there's something we're doing that's not good, that's not best for us, He loves us too much to let us continue to do that. So don't be afraid to ask God to point out offensive stuff in your life. To let David's prayer become your own prayer. And then when He tells you, own it. Confess it. Acknowledge to Him, yeah, He's right. I need to work on that. Be willingly accountable to Him. As someone said, a good person desires to know the worst of himself. J.L. Packard wrote this, I am never out of God's mind. There is no moment when His eye is off me or His attention distracted from me. No moment when His care falters. There is tremendous relief. Listen to that word, relief. There's tremendous relief in knowing that His love to me is utterly realistic based at every point on prior knowledge of the worst about me so that no discovery can now disillusion Him about me in the way that I am so often disillusioned about myself. Do we know God like that? Because He knows us completely. He thinks of us constantly. He searches us conclusively. What we get from that, and here's the point. I hope you get this from the takeaway. You are cared for. You are loved. You are accepted. This is who God is. This is what it means for His omniscience. He knows it all. All of it. Even the dirtiest dirt. And He still wants to save you. He knows the ugliness of your heart. He knows that lust that won't go away. He knows that greed that gets the best of you. He knows when you forget about Him. He knows when you go about living your life in your own power and you don't even remember to pray. He knows when you're more concerned about people's opinion of you than what God thinks. He knows when you're so overcome by jealousy or hate or ingratitude. He knows when you're discontent. He knows when you're selfish. But do you understand that there is something liberating? There's something just freeing when you you put your soul at the foot of the cross and you realize it is not your own righteousness that saves you. It is the righteousness that's only found in Jesus Christ. When you do that, that's how you can welcome Him in to look. He's already looking. He already knows. But you acknowledge it and you, because you know He wants to save you. He wants to redeem you. He wants to wash you clean. And there's something freeing about that. Somebody else finds out some dirt about you. It's like, mm, God, now they know. But God already knows. And you know. He's on your side. He's like the parent who will never, ever, ever give up on his child. We mentioned that he wants, that he knows our needs. And need number one is to save you. You may be in church all your life. You may know all kinds of Bible. Perfect attendance. Do you know God? God knows you. He wants to make you a new creation. 
If you'll confess that you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, He'll wash you clean in baptism, put His Holy Spirit in you, make you a new creation. You're clean. Not because you're perfect. Because He makes you right. You have His righteousness. That's the Gospel. That's what He wants you to know. Or if we can just pray for you, Maybe you're already a Christian. Maybe for you it's a struggle. Maybe for you it's a confession. Maybe it's just to get to know God. Once you come, we're standing and singing to encourage you.